Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Yet another great encore performance for you today here at The Advertising Show. This gentleman is Randall Strauss. We came to know him as Randy. Uh, Randy writes the New York Times column Digital Domain. He's professor of business at San Jose State University. He's also the author of several books, including the one we're going to talk about today called Planet Google. Uh, he also wrote The Wizard of Menlo Park, E-Boys, and The Microsoft Way. So, enjoy the interview. We uh, are here at the Advertising Show. Thanks for listening. By the way, if you want to find out more of, uh, about Planet Google about, or about Randy, you can go to randallstrauss.com. We're only calling you Randall or Randy because that's what you're calling yourself, okay? So <laughs> That's fine. Nice and casual. Hey, good to have you on the show. Glad to be with you. Yeah, so Randy, your specialty is technology. Tell us why you decided to write a book uh, titled Planet Google, and how is it different than other books written about Google? When I started work on this, uh, there were two books that had been written about the very earliest days of Google's existence. And I thought there was an opportunity to tell uh, the story that had followed its founding. Because what has happened is, as many people know, the general outlines, uh, Google has become much more than just a web search company. That's what the early books focused on, web search. How Google has gone from being just focused on web search and doing nothing else to becoming not only... Uh, a powerhouse uh, on many fronts and one of the most recognized and respected brands in the world, uh, how it has accomplished this is by pursuing uh, a strategy, a very clear-eyed strategy for being the one-stop shop for information. And my book tells the story of how, in essence, Google grew up from being just a precocious kid with a great IPO into the very, very large adult we see before us today. You know, we're going to bounce back and forth between content in your book and some things that Google are, uh, is doing nowadays, but let's stay with your book for a moment. You point out Google's dependence upon text ads is especially remarkable given the that advertising was entirely absent in their original business plans by the founders. So. I'm curious, Randy, what is it about Google's ad service that makes it so lucrative, obviously, other than the huge market share that they currently control? Well, it turns out, and this was just discovered really accidentally, uh, that text ads are a marvelous, marvelously efficient way of communicating information to prospective buyers. Uh, keep in mind, uh, before Google's founding, uh, it was banner ads that uh, were most dominant on the web. And as time had gone on, those banner ads had been uh, uh, supplanted by flashing banner ads and pop-ups and pop-unders. And there was a competition to uh, grab attention that was ever-escalating and seemed to have no end. You had to outdo what someone had just done in terms of, of uh, visual surprise. Uh, and it was very annoying. Uh, 
to see these ads. And I'm sure advertisers were not particularly pleased by the direction the online advertising world was taking. It's at this moment that Google discovers uh, the quiet voice of text. And not only was it visually uh, quite uh, inoffensive, but by serving up ads that were matched to whatever you typed into the search box meant that there was a very good chance that you could do a good match uh, between what was on the user's mind and the content of the advertisement. So those search ads, those modest-looking little text ads, were really a brilliant way of cutting through demographic analysis. You didn't have to know anything about who the user was. You didn't have to know race, age, class, interest. You didn't have to know anything. All you needed to know was what was on that person's mind at that single moment. You didn't have to know what was on their mind five minutes before or what it would be five minutes from then, just at that moment. And you were able to know that with a reasonable rate of success by analyzing the term that was typed into the search box. And so advertisers quickly discovered that it was a very efficient way of reaching users with a particular relevant interest, an interest relevant to uh, the sponsor. Uh, and if the advertisers were happy, uh, Google prospered, and that's exactly what happened. And certainly, with the uh, you know, they started the bidding process on on uh, keywords, and if that got more competitive, and the the more desired uh, words became very expensive very quick. Let's uh, let me get your thoughts on on a lot of criticism out there about Google's need to diversify their revenue resources. Uh, if they're going to continue to grow. That's really coming a lot, I think, from Wall Street more than anywhere. Uh, you agree with that uh, criticism? And if so, not that they don't have a few new product offerings, but how they plan to monetize something other than search results in the future. What are your thoughts on that, Randy? I think in any business, even a very successful business like Google's, uh, you don't want to be dependent upon a single revenue stream. And Google has been trying uh, for many years now to find a way of, of generating significant revenues and profits from something other than uh, search-related uh, text ads. Uh, what's happened with YouTube, uh, many experiments with different kinds of formats uh, have yet to uh, really succeed at scale. Uh, we've seen Google uh, offer online productivity applications that in a way are competing with Microsoft Office. Uh, the book tells the story of how they tried to go head-to-head -head with Microsoft in selling their services to colleges and universities, uh, offering uh, not just Gmail, but their word processing service called Docs, a spreadsheet, and other related applications, uh, which they were offering and continue to offer free to colleges and universities uh, but charge uh, corporations $50 per user per year. Uh, the thought was, and this has been used many times in history, uh, to market a product to colleges and universities to establish the brand and the product. Of course, the Macintosh was first marketed to colleges and universities back when it was uh, introduced in 1984. 
Let's uh, let's uh, do this. Let's take a break real quick here, Randy. Uh, Randy Strauss, author of Planet Google, now being released in paperback, and uh, we'll get into more conversation with Randy in just a minute with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe here at the Advertising Show. Glad you're here. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. USA in your Chevrolet, America is asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, happy to have a very special guest out of uh, California, San Jose State, is uh, Randall Strauss, Randy Strauss, author of Planet Google. Randy, great to have you here at the Advertising Show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Randy, you talked a little bit last segment about how Google gathers information about uh, their visitors and serves up search ads accordingly. Let's talk a little bit about the con controversy around privacy issues being raised regarding the vast amount of personal information Google collects about us, such as info on what we're buying and where we're emailing, who we're emailing with, and you know, different search behavior that we're all very familiar with that Google acquires on us. Are Google's critics justified, Randy, in bringing attention to Google's consumer behavior gathering, or is it all a bit overblown? I think it's uh, perfectly uh, understandable why many people have been concerned about the vast information storehouses that Google has built and filled with our very personal information. Uh, I think sometimes the criticism that has been directed at Google has been misdirected. Uh, one issue that has not, at least personally, uh, concerned me that I have heard uh, concerns uh, what it can do with, uh, for example, our email, what it can learn from our email. Uh, when Gmail was introduced, uh, there was an outcry about Google reading our email. And what triggered this was that matching of ads to the content of messages. And Google did its best to explain, and I accept this explanation, that it is a machine reading the text. There are no humans uh, pouring over our email, and that there are protections in place to make sure that Google's uh, own employees do not, uh, for recreational purposes, say, uh, dip into uh, our personal email unless they have a, a legitimate reason, uh, for example, in technical troubleshooting. Uh, I know that Google, because it has been so criticized, uh, is taking great pains uh, to make sure that there is no data leak that would greatly tarnish the brand and would embarrass them. Uh, but I do agree with critics who say that it would be very helpful if Google was more transparent in sharing with us the ways that it safeguards our information. So I am a big supporter of transparency, which it has not gone very far to offer us in its public. You know, I think there's a general paranoia without really consumers knowing what they're being paranoid about when it comes to privacy issues. And Google, for example, shouldn't consumers, Randall, be pleased 
with how personal information acquired by Google allows us to receive more precise and more relevant ads to uh, fit more our unique interests? I, I uh, subscribe to that view. I, I don't want to be annoyed with uh, dog food ads because I don't have a dog. Uh, and Google has never gotten uh, the credit I think it deserves for uh, not uh, being a pioneer in behavioral marketing. Uh, its competition has gone far beyond it in uh, keeping track of the demographic characteristics of visitors to their sites. Uh, Google has not uh, taken that path, and the reason is not because of a principled stand against it, uh, but because they don't need to. Uh, they have such a sophisticated algorithm in matching uh, search terms to their ad inventory uh, that they don't need to know all that much uh, about who we are. Now, if they ever should want to connect their different silos of information, so connect my web activity with my email, with the content of my spreadsheets and my word processing document. So there is that concern. Uh, but so far, they have managed to grow to the size they are without an embarrassing, uh, permanently damaging data leak. That's, that's a good record to have, isn't it, Randy? Uh, the book is coming out in, uh, in paperback. It's called Planet Google. We have the author of that book, Randy Strauss, out of California. And uh, we will uh, continue our interview here with Ray Shillings and Brand Forsyth on the Advertising Show. Be being powered by Shipple. It's uh, Shipple.com, and it's an incredible marketing machine called Tendency. Check it out. Good stuff. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. It's a real thing in the back of your mind. What you're hoping to find. Welcome back it's on The Advertising Show. Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth and... Uh, Let's see, Randy writes books, Randy writes columns, Randy occasionally writes uh, his parents uh, for money or something like that. No. Randy Strauss is also a, a New York Times columnist. Uh, it's called Digital Domain, and we're happy to have you on the show, Randy. Welcome back. Thanks. 
And by the way, Ray, since he is a professor at San Jose State, we both get a half a credit for today's interview. I just want to note that. Let's go let's get some current things happening with Google. For years, uh, Microsoft has tried to match Google by improving its own search and online advertising capabilities and not doing that good of a job. But now they've merged with uh, uh, Yahoo and launching Bing and obviously having a, at least a more of an opportunity to compete more effectively with, with Google. What are your thoughts on, uh, on these two new endeavors? Uh, I've read, as everyone else has, uh, wonderful things about Bing, but whenever I've gone to use the service, I haven't been... Uh, impressed uh, the way uh, some others seem to have been. Uh, I think Google's uh, web search is a really formidable opponent uh, uh, for Microsoft to try to take on. Uh, Even if Bing were to match uh, or slightly improve in certain vertical areas, uh, their uh, web service uh, force of habit uh, and just the sheer uh, spread of Google as a verb mm-hmm. I think makes it very, very difficult for anyone, um, even a company as large as Microsoft, which keep in mind is, as a company, still larger than Google, uh, but it still doesn't have the resources uh, to, uh, to unseat uh, Google in the number one position. Isn't that amazing? Wow. When, when you're service is a verb you have really a priceless asset Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't need a slogan do you (laughs) and and the relationship with yahoo where do you see that going well uh right now uh the plans are for microsoft to take over of course uh the uh, advertising part of yahoo's search business and Yahoo uh, says it will uh, focus on uh, the content, which has always been its strength all along. Uh, I don't think Google has much to worry about from, uh, the, from the alliance, from the Microsoft-Yahoo alliance. I think it spends a lot more time worrying about what's happening on other fronts, what's called the real-time web, uh, the rise of Facebook and Twitter uh, in particular, those two, uh, present a very different kind of challenge for Google because its success until now has been built on its ability to index and match information that's already out there on the web to advertisers. What is difficult for Google to do is to be able to get at the information that's stored behind Facebook's wall or figure out what to do with, on the fly, quickly, uh, the tweets that are coming at it from Twitter. Uh, Real-time search turns out to be a really hard problem. Uh, You can't just uh, index the keywords because you don't know which tweets are more significant than others. In essence, Google has always benefited from the hidden labor of the millions of website editors who link to other sites. That's where Google gets its intelligence and makes its best guess about the usefulness of any given web page. With Twitter, the, the tweets are coming at it, and 
it doesn't have anybody else to consult, like website editors, to tell us which tweets are more important than, than others. So it's been struggling to figure out what to do with the challenge from real-time web. That makes a lot of sense, too. And final question is, uh, Randy, will you be our friend on, on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a blast having you here at the Advertising Show. Go get the book, now available in paperback. It's called Planet Google, and uh, Randy Strauss is the author of that book. Randy, thanks for being on the Advertising Show. Thank you very much for having me. We've got uh, more to come here in just a moment. Hope you stick around. Thanks again, Randall Strauss here at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Also, thanks to our folks here in Houston at Chipple.com, the power behind the AdvertisingShow.com website, a platform called Tendency. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Thanks, guys, for your great work. On the Advertising Show, we'll talk to you again real soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.